I pray that baptistry running don't interfere or in a running water, it could cause people to go to sleep. But as I share with you often, I have rotten eggs under the pulpit. And I have been known to throw them at people. I have people every once in a while, they say, Now preacher, I have this issue. And I can't help it. Well, that excuses you. Be sure you tell me if you have an issue. Have a hard time staying awake when you get quiet. Because you might get busted. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, you can be turning with me, if you would, to uh, the book of Mark in chapter number 4. That's where our text is going to come from this morning. Mark in chapter 4. And I'm going to read a text about a storm that our Lord's disciples had to deal with. Uh, and I'm going to preach more than just one message on this. I'm going to, I don't know, you know how I am. I start on something and sometimes I go months and without changing subjects. I just got a one track mind. And if the Holy Spirit deals with me and gives me something, I'm on that track. And I can't, I have a hard time thinking about anything else. I may have something going on on Sunday morning and can't hardly get a message together for Sunday night because I'm on that track. So, but I do want to do that. There's something really interesting about storms in the Bible. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you why I believe that it is perfectly alright to spiritualize storms in the Bible. And I'm going to do that. And I'll persuade you that that's the right thing to do. And when we can do that, then we can find things about that storm that will bless our lives. I'm going to share with you that storms can illustrate any and all crisis that we may experience in life. How many of us have gone through storms in life? Spiritually speaking, anything that threatens uh, our well-being, uh, threatens body, soul, spirit, and uh, brings maybe grief or pain or suffering of some kind because we are going through something or those that we love might be going through something, and so we grieve with them. Did you know, Christian, that the Bible tells us that's what we should do? Even when everything's going great, we should be sad with people that are sad, and we should rejoice with people that are rejoicing. Boy, what a church you've got, if that's the case. If when you go through troubles that you know that people are supportive of your troubles and that they're praying for you and they're helping you carry your burden in life. Is that awesome or what? That is awesome. I will tell you before we get started in our text that one of the, the greatest blessings I've experienced in my Christian walk is the fellowship and companionship and shared love that I've had over the years with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. You don't know how much I cherish that. 
You don't know. You know, every week, I'm looking forward to Wednesday coming. Every week, I'm looking forward to Sunday coming. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You say, preacher, what makes you that way? Can't take any credit for it. Just simply can't. The Lord put that in my heart. And I'm giving Him the glory and the praise. And I will say this, if you claim to be a Christian, that's not your experience. Like I heard somebody say this morning down in the basement, you better check up before you check out. <laughs> Amen? That's true. That's what, I mean, it's, anybody knows that's what the Christian walk is all about. It's the joy unspeakable, full of glory, and the peace that passes understanding. Now let me tell you something. When someone has found a right relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's true in their life, that's one happy camper. I've known so many, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them over the years. And I've known some that claim to be a Christian that constantly walk around with their lower lip dragging the ground. It's not supposed to be that way. It's not. And it doesn't mean that there are not times when we're sad. That doesn't mean there are not times when we're going through a storm in life. But nothing can take that joy and peace away even when we're suffering. That's the gospel truth. And I'm glad to be able to share that with you. You say, well, preacher, I've heard you say that stuff before. Well, you probably have. I've been preaching here for 24 years. And if you hang around a little while, you're probably going to hear it some more. Amen? It's just the way it is. And I will tell you something about the truth. It don't make no difference how many times you say it or how many times you hear it. It's just as good every single time. You can't wear the truth out. Amen? You can't wear it out. And I love it. And all of us ought to if we really know the Lord. If we really know the Lord, we will love it. Because He puts it in the heart. That's what He does. Alright, our text this morning is in Mark chapter 4. And I'll begin reading in verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, He saith unto them, that is His disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, uh, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with them, with him, other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. It filled up with water. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and said unto him, Master, careth not that we perish. What a silly question for them to ask the Lord. They was in a ship, and they was in a storm, and he was in the ship with them. Christian, I want you to know, that if you're saved, you're journeying through life, and it's, uh, you're, you're, you're uh, on a cruise, so to speak, and I hope to bring that out real clear to you, and you're headed for the final haven, and if you're saved, He's in the boat. He's in there with you. But anyway, it goes on in verse 39, And He arose and rebuked the wind, 
and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have not faith? How many times I've shared that. We're all subject to fear. It can come on us in a heartbeat. We can just be in a position where, have you ever been there, where you just was paralyzed and fell on your knees and began to pray? Well, thank God for those moments because it draws us closer to Him. Why are you so fair? And this is what I say often. Fear is normal. One of the men was showing me a picture of the biggest rattlesnake I ever seen this morning out in the vestibule. And I've run across rattlesnakes, copperheads. And let me tell you something that happened to you. No matter how brave you are, you're afraid initially. But then there's something that will cause a calm to come over you if you know the Lord. And, and that's taught very clearly in the Bible. You see, fear cannot continue to exist in the child of God where faith is. Faith and fear don't exist together. They just don't. And it don't mean... Faith don't mean that we act foolishly. Faith don't mean that that if I saw that rattlesnake out... Well, I did. The last one I seen, I tried to catch it. I really did. My brother and I, we had this childhood adventure where we... We'd go snake hunting when we knew there was places where there was an infestation of them, and we'd catch them. I've caught copperheads. One day I come home from work when I was at uh, Bible college, and I worked for the school, and I had uh, saved a little child from running right over top of one because I saw it and was able to stop him. And I had a bucket in the back of the truck, so I caught that copperhead take it home. I wanted my boys to see what one really looked like. People all the time calling snakes copperhead, that's not. And so I took it home with me. And uh, of course I let it out of the bucket and killed it, of course. But anyway, I was able to show them that snake. And you say, well, you could have killed it and not caught it. Well, I like catching them. (laughs) What a challenge (laughs) to catch a poisonous snake. Anyway, Jesus asked them the question, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That will cause us to be fearful in life. Period. That causes people that are always worried. Do you ever know anybody that's just worried about this, worried about that? Oh me, oh my, this is probably going to happen, or that's probably going to happen, or whatever. And they're just worried, and they fret, and they worry, and they fret, and they don't have faith. That's what's wrong with them. You see, there comes a time when we're fearful or going through a storm, that we simply back up and say, thank you Lord that you're in the boat with me. How many of you believe that wasn't nothing going to happen to these disciples? Jesus was with them. So He's rebuking them. And sometimes we need to be rebuked. And it goes on in verse 41, And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey Him. There was another 
fit of fear that hit them. Not only had they been afraid of the storm they were in, but they were afraid when Jesus did what He did. They knew they were in the presence of the Lord of glory. Amen? They was probably shaken in their boots when they realized that. So, what we have here is we have a storm. And I want to raise this question as we begin to study. And again, don't forget, you might want to get in your Bible and find all the storms that's in the Bible and read up on them and everything and just be prepared. I know where the preacher's going. But anyway, uh, we would all, most of us, I'm sure, would believe that storms in the Bible can be spiritualized. And I'm telling you they can. I'm telling you they can scripturally. Um, I, I took the time because I know, as probably many of you, that so, so many of our songs that we know and sing that are about that very thing. So many. I wrote the title of some of them down. The Old Ship of Zion. I, many of you were. Uh, one that says, Till the storm passes by. One is master of the sea. Uh, throw out the lifeline. We sung that on Wednesday night not long ago. It's not, I don't think it's in our songbook up here, but it is downstairs. Uh, throw out the lifeline. And then, one of my favorite songs of all time is in our songbook, and it's uh, The Solid Rock. I love that song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Oh, my friend, there's no better place to be. Amen? No better place to be. But I point out that the second verse of that song says this. When darkness veils His loving face... I rest on His unchanging grace. Now here's the line. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Why do you think the songwriter wrote those words? The songwriter wrote those words simply because life has storms in it. Life, it's just that way. And there can be high and stormy gales in our, in our life. And it says that my anchor holds within the veil. Then the second verse says this, His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. Isn't that neat? Is that the way life is? You better believe it is. You better believe it is. So even the chorus of the song brings that out. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand or water, either one, whatever, you know. And uh, all other ground is sinking sand. Now, uh, in those songs, it bears that out. There's another one. I don't know if it's in our songbook or not, but my brothers and I used to sing it, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. And it says over life's tempestuous sea. It talks about the storms and the waves that rise. Then there's another one that says, let the lower lights be burning. Some poor, fainting, struggling seamen. 
You may rescue, you may save. What are those songs talking about? They're talking about storms in life. They're talking about storms in the Bible that are spiritualized. Then there's one that says, I thank God for the lighthouse. Amen? The lighthouse that leads us and guides us. But then there's another one that's called Haven of Rest. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. Is life pictured that way? These songwriters thought so, and so they wrote the songs that way. The tempest may sweep, or the wild stormy deep. You know, that's what the songs are talking about. And so this morning, I want to tell you, they surely can be spiritualized. Now, this is interesting, and every time I read something in the Bible about the Sea of Galilee, I, I've been so blessed when I was a student in Bible college, the school, uh, as part of an educational thing, took as many students as could to the Holy Lands. Now, when it was announced, I've told this story before, I think it's a miracle. It was announced, and I checked out to see what it would cost. I think it was about eight or nine hundred dollars to go on that trip. A friend of mine, a dear friend, a precious brother, he came to me and he said, "Are you signed up?" I said, "Oh no, we just barely get by from hand to mouth way it is in school." I said, "There is no way I could go." Oh, you ought to sign up anyway. You know, you might get to go. Oh, well, they, they, there's not any way. I was lacking a little faith, I guess it was. Well, it went on for weeks and weeks, and he'd say, have you signed up yet? And I'd say, no, I've not signed up. He kept on until he persuaded me to sign up. Well, come to find out, somebody had paid my way, and he wouldn't tell me who it was. But somebody, as a matter of fact, I'd waited so long that I, it took it took it really did take an act of Congress for me to get my passport. It really did. I couldn't get it. The president of the school contacted uh, our representative, explained the detail. I got this poor little old fellow's trying to learn something over here, and he can't get his passport. Man, they intervened, and my passport was delivered. I got my passport. Wasn't that a miracle? Then there was an extended part of that trip where you could go down into Egypt, you know, and study those uh, places and things that had to do with the Bible. And of course, I couldn't do that because that was extra cost. Come to find out, my way was paid down there. And you say, well, where did that come from? Well, he would never tell me until a little precious little lady in Virginia passed away. I had preached a revival effort and Sue and I stayed in her home and she fed us and treated us like little babies and stuff like that. That little lady was my friend's mother. He had told her about me and she paid my way. You know, God meant for me to go, didn't He? Well, part of that trip was I got to go across the Sea of Galilee. What a precious thing that was. And I think about that every time I read something in the Bible. I remember in detail 
going across the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'll tell you this, there wasn't no storm that day. Sun was shining bright. It was a beautiful day. But I thought about what the Bible says about storm. And questions about that. Sea of Galilee is not very big. But the way it lays, coming off of a mountain and everything, storms can be awful on the Sea of Galilee. They can be terrible. Can you imagine waves as high as the ceiling of our church? That's what it could be like. It can be like. And I want you to imagine something else. The kind of boats they had they fished out of. Wooden boats. No telling how many people drowned in the Sea of Galilee because they got caught in a storm like this. So there's good reason for them to be fearful. And of course, Brother Moore, he and I share something in common. We was in the United States Navy. He was in World War I and I was in Vietnam. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. But anyway, uh, I got to serve on an aircraft carrier, the USS America. And the flight deck is something like 80 feet high from the water. Folks, if you can imagine being in a storm and some places on this earth going around the tip of South America is a bad place to be in a storm when they would take the planes off the flight deck and take them down in the hangar bay and close them up simply because of the storm and waves coming over top of the flight deck. You didn't want to be out there, of course, when that's happening. But I know a little bit about storms and I know a little bit about waves and I thank God for the experience that I have. Now Jesus didn't want them to perish. They was not going we know that, but they didn't know that. They were in the process of learning. Now listen to this. About who Jesus is. And that's the reason why they were shocked when he when the winds and the waves obeyed his voice. Now we're a little different today. There shouldn't be anybody here in this sanctuary that don't already know that. They're not already fully aware of that fact. But you know what? We're just like them because we too are in the process of learning about Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, you will not, ex- you will not be able to uh, learn everything there is to learn about the Lord in this life. That don't mean we don't try. We should try. Because by knowing about the Lord, it brings great blessings in our life and peace and joy uh, in our life. So we're in the same place. We're in the process of learning more about the Lord. Now you might say, preacher, you don't need to learn any more about the Lord. You've been preaching the gospel for over 45 years. You don't need... Oh, yes I do. Amen. I learn something brand new every day. I'll get in the Bible in a text where I've read it a hundred times and read it again and say, well, wow, that, look, I've never seen that before. I've, you know, and we're always learning. We're always learning more. And before I get out of this little series about the storms, I'm going to tell you some reasons why storms come in life. There are reasons why they come. And we can find that, of course, uh, in, in the Bible. Now, why did this storm come? Uh, think about it again. The Lord was in the ship with them. And again, by storms, I mean any kind of hardship, difficulty, stress, crisis, troubles that come in our life while, we are, while we're passing over life's sea, while we're journeying along in life. That's what a storm is. 
And I don't have to tell you. They come. They come. I'll share a couple of things about the storms in life with you before we uh, get out of this. And, uh, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. Time may not permit. But it's any kind of crisis that is a threat to us or those that we love and cherish in life. I told some of the men, I guess it was yesterday, uh, and, and you, you all tease me all the time about how limited I am in capacity. <laughs> and I am. I sure am. As a matter of fact, so are you. There's a limit. There's a limit. And I was telling some of them, I said, you know, most people don't understand when part of anybody in their family is going through something difficult, I go through it with them. You say, preacher, that's awful that you do that. No, it's not. What a joy and privilege it is to suffer when my brothers and sisters do. And to be able to walk with them and think about oftentimes there I have you know you know what it means to be able to read it in somebody's face and I may know and nobody else might what they're going through they may have come to me and said preacher I want to I've got a, a burden on my heart I've got a request will you pray with me and shame on you if you don't ever ask your preacher to pray with you and pray for you I've had people to tell me I didn't know they'd been sick. They'd been sick for a month. They'd been in the hospital and out. And I, I would say, why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to burden you, preacher. Well, I tell them, you just did. That shows me how much confidence you have in my prayers. And you ought to suffer to act like that. I do tell them stuff like that. You say, preacher, it ain't no wonder people get offended at you. Well, it ain't no wonder. Because I say things to people all the time. And buddy, when, when you do that to people that are full of pride and arrogance, they'll stick their little noses up in the air and they won't speak to you no more. They'll leave the church and all kinds of dumb stuff. <laughs> if, I, if I say something like that to you, I want you to understand I do because I love you. Because it may be worse if I didn't say it. And maybe you'll go off somewhere and pout a while and think about it. And maybe it's true. But it's any kind of crisis that you go through. Now you might imagine that's just been my experience over the many years in the ministry. And it has. And I'm thankful for it. I made this remark one time that there's probably nobody here that has seen more tears than I have over the years. Probably nobody here that has witnessed that. You know, it's interesting. Tears are spoken of in the Bible. How many of you know that God is so concerned about our tears that He has He puts them in a bottle? Now, God don't need to put tears in a bottle. <laughs> you say, why is that in there? Well, you know why it's in there. It illustrates that He cares for us and even says that our tears are in a book. Our tears are in a book. Oh, what an awesome blessing it is to know that when something is going on in my life and I need grace, that He's in the boat with me. He's in the ship with me. And I don't bear them alone. 
That's why very little ever bothers me. I'm serious about that. It, and, and, and I don't mean that in the way that I don't care. I don't care about other people or whatever because I really do. But I mean there's very little that I worry and fret over is what I mean to say. And you know what? We need to be in the habit of turning things over to the Lord and leave them there and leave them there. So often we pick them up and pack them off with us. Amen? Next thing we know, we're having an ulcer over it. And we just had prayed about it, but we didn't pray right. We didn't have any faith or we would have left it in His hand. And how many times have you prayed and said, Lord, I'm putting this in Your hand. Whatever You do about it, thank You. I'll praise You. I may not understand it, but I don't have to. I don't have to understand it. See, that's what the walk, Christian walk with the Lord uh, is all about. So that's what the storms are. I've often wondered if I could have taken all the tears over the years and put them in a, well, they, one bottle sure wouldn't hold them. There's no telling. I can't imagine how many tears that would be. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I've sat in a funeral home with someone I did just recently. I sat in the funeral home beside her. Her daughter had died. And I tried every way in the world to try to comfort her and couldn't. Have you ever heard people just wail out because of their suffering and their pain over the loss of a loved one? I'll never forget that. I just texted her the other day and I told her that I hadn't forgot her. And she was telling me she was a little better. But, you know, how many, how many gallons of tears I would have if I had collected them all. You say, preacher, are you complaining? No, I thank my God for every time I can hold somebody's hand or put my arm around them and say, I love you and I'm praying for you. And everything's going to be alright. Well, it ain't alright at the moment. But everything's going to be alright. By God's grace. Amen? We get over those storms as we go through life. And so tears. Bible talks about tears for the wicked. Did you know that they may have tears in life? They may, the wicked may go through storms in life. But it's nothing to compare to what the Bible says about what will happen in the end. The weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. My friend, if you're here this morning or you're listening by social media and you don't know the Lord and you continue on that route for the rest of your life, I've got to tell you there's coming a time you're going to understand what that means, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's just a fact. That is a fact. You say, preacher, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to be sure. Yeah, you can imagine it because I want to tell you something. The devil has got people just locked up. As I've shared that Scripture with you many times, he taketh captive at will. To not to know the Lord is to be captive, of, uh, be the captive of Satan. But for the Christian, for the Christian, uh, listen to this, I love it. And God shall wipe away the tears from their eyes. You say, preacher, that's in the end. That's one day when we get to glory. That we want, the Bible says we won't 
remember anything that brings grief to us. You won't. I've said, I said this for years in preaching off and on, that you know, the Lord was going to have to take some things out of my mind. I've seen stuff that I wish I could take out of my mind. I've heard things I wish I could take out of my mind. But I can't. And you can't either. But i got news for you. If you know the Lord, one of these days, you'll net... In Isaiah 65, you can read about it. I don't know what verse it is. But you will not remember those things. Every once in a while, somebody will say, well, I tell you, my old mother's went to heaven and she's watching my life and, and watching over me. No, she's not. Because if she did she would be grieved in glory and there ain't going to be none there. You can put that out of your mind. So none of you, don't you ask me about that because I've done told you the way it is. And so, for the Christian one day, and not only is it one day, but it's every day. It's every day. I know that many of you have wept because a storm had come in your life. Not long ago, I got up here and I was telling you something about my little granddaughter just went into the Army Reserves and I broke down in front of everybody and cried. I did. Preacher, do you cry? I do. And I told you that I'm sorry, but it's because I love her. And I do. But you know, there's another kind of tear. I want to say this before we quit. It's tears of joy. And I've seen a lot of them. I've been preaching before, and I, I'm one of these preachers, I'll look you right in the eye. I'll read your... You wouldn't believe what I read sometimes. <laughs> and that's uh, discernment. The Lord blesses His children with it. Be careful about it. It costs you to judge people if you're not careful. You can be wrong, you know. I was one time, so I know about that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. But I've been preaching and I would see somebody, tears were streaming down their face. And it would be like saying, sick them to that old dog. It caused me to just preach even more and more about whatever the subject matter was. But there's tears of joy in our life. And we have them, don't we? Amen? We have them. Shame on you if you're so hard-hearted that you simply don't care about things. So you can have storms. Some of you may be having them. But I will tell you, if the Lord delays His coming long enough, how many of you think when you pray, Lord, build a hedge around my home. Do you ever pray like that? I do. About every day. Lord, bless my two boys and their families. I'm thankful that their wives are my daughters. I tell them that all the time. I've said this before. I know I'm prejudiced because I love them so much. But I've said this before. I prayed for them and prayed for them when they were teenagers and dumb how many of you know sometimes teenagers are dumb? They can be, but I've prayed for them. And I've said this before and I mean it. If they'd come to me, they didn't do it. 
But if they'd have come to me and said, Dad, would you go around the world, no expense, uh, and find us a wife? I, like I said, I may be precious because I love them so much. I couldn't have done it. Found them a better one because I love them like that. How many of you know you ought to pray? Listen, let me tell you something. Before the storms come, because I'm going to share with you when I share with you the reasons why they come, that we can trust the intervening, providential hand of God in our life related to the storms. I'll show you that in the Bible. So pray for your kids and pray for your grandkids and pray for your home and pray for your family and pray for those that you love that maybe have not come to know the Lord. Just pray for them. Pray for them. And thank God for the burden He puts on your heart. So it's a matter of caring. Now I will tell you something. If you're one of these people that my four no more, you don't care about nobody else, there are people like that. There's probably people not in church today because they don't care about nobody else but themselves. That's a terrible, terrible thing. As I've said oftentimes, we've never learned to serve the Lord until we've learned to serve others. That's a fact. It's a fact. So time's run out. There'll be more storm sermons coming. Amen. I'll stir up a storm with them. Amen. Let's bow together. Father, we thank You and praise You for how You bless us. We thank You for this text. Thank You for all the things we can learn from the text. And I pray You bless us this morning that we can make whatever commitments that You lay on our heart when we close these services like this. It's in Your hands. We put it there. And we gladly trust You. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me this morning while Aaron leads us in a closing number.